You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Dustin Warford titled, Stand Firm, Be Patient, from our series, James. For more info, please visit creekside.org. How are you guys doing? Sweet. Oh, that was, hey, you cheered for Terry. Man. <laughs> guys doing good? Yeah? Like, sweet. People have survived the re-entry back into the school routine. Good to see everybody here and good to see all the kids in the class. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun. I, I know that my daughter loves school and she was so excited to get back into her class. And uh, it's, it's such a great time of just reconnecting with friends. And, and this is my, my last week. Really, really fun for me to unpack and go through James with all of you guys. And this is my, my last week in James chapter 5. So if you have your, uh, your Bible or your Bible app or your tablet or whatever media you're using for the Bible, uh, turn it to James chapter 5. And I want to uh, encourage you real quick as you're turning there, even though I'm ending James, chapter, or James today, uh, I encourage you to go through on your own time and look through James. Reread it, revisit it, because there is so much more in this book than what I've been able to talk about here at Creekside. And what I, something I love about Scripture is when you go through a book at one point in your life, you go through and you read and verses really speak to you and they, and they say something really, really, something just jumps out and really captivates you. And then some time can go by and you go back to that book and something else totally jumps out and gets you. And it's, I love how the Word of God does that. It really speaks to you where you are and what you're going through. So I want to encourage you guys, revisit James um, on another time, read through it again, and I know there's so much more that God can say through this book. And don't just let it end here, but dive in and keep going with it. So James chapter 5. Now you're either going to love this or, or hate this, what we're talking about today. Because it's a, it's a pretty, pretty touchy thing again. Now this is something we're dealing with where people either have an abundance of this, or you have none of this, right? There's not really a medium middle ground. You're either blessed with this or you're, you're cursed with not having it. If you have a kids, maybe you used to have a lot of it and now it's just kind of siphoned out and now it's gone. Or uh, you've lost it over time or things aren't going well for you personally or professionally. You start off going, yeah, I've got this and now it's gone. But it's the P word, patience. Yeah, some of you are chuckling now because you're like, <laughs> I don't want that. I don't like waiting. But patience, so much of our life depends on our ability to understand and unpack and have patience and the ability to infuse it into our very being. It may be really easy for some of you, and it may be really, really hard for others. So just honesty, honesty check. How many of you guys would say, patience, not my thing, don't have it? There we go. Some of you, it's shocking, some of you not surprised. I know you pretty well, but you know, no, you know, we all have gifts, and I'll talk about that in a second. Someone I'm going to talk about is in here today. I didn't tell him I was going to talk about him, but he'll know who he is. It's fun. I love him. But patience is something that, yeah, either you have it or you don't. You either want it or you don't want it. But, but the question I, I really boils down to is, do you really want patience? Do you want patience? Now, we live in a very hurry-up world of fast technologies, right? We have the ability to get almost anything whenever we want it. Internet's fast. Most companies now are offering next-day or two-day shipping for free, so you can get your item right away. You don't have to worry about going to the store. But the thing about waiting is we are so used to not waiting that when we have to wait or have patience, it really starts to reveal some things about ourselves. It really starts to, you can see tempers flare, 
you can see uh, sometimes more frequently than you care to admit when you have a lack of patience showing for people. Um, no, you, and there's lots of things we do in life all the time that require patience. Waiting in line, for example. Specifically at the DMV. Nobody likes going there and having to wait in line. You pull that number, and they're like, all right, D45, now serving D7. Oh. You know it's going to be a day at that point. 30 minutes later, they're on D9. <laughs> it takes a while. But we wait so much, and there's some fun stats on waiting that I wanted to share with you guys this morning. Waiting in patience. Did you know that every year you may spend around 13 hours on hold? Probably online with the DMV. We can all relate that there, yep. The average person spends about six months of their life waiting in some sort of line. 96% of Americans will knowingly consume extremely hot food or drink that will burn their mouth. Knowingly. 63% do it frequently. More than half of us hang up the phone after being on hold for one minute or less. 71% frequently exceed the speed limit to get to their destination faster on an average of two to three minutes faster. Americans will binge watch an average of seven TV episodes in one single sitting. You don't want to wait the next week. You wait and then you just watch it all at once, right? Nearly a third of people ages 18 to 24 wait less than one second before bypassing a slower walker in front of them on the sidewalk. Generation Y people will check their phones an average of eight times when waiting to hear back from someone that they went on a date with within the first two hours of that last date. And lastly, waiting, when waiting for a table at a restaurant, nearly a quarter of people wait less than one minute before approaching again, asking the host how much time has passed. One minute. Needless to say, we don't like waiting. It's not in our DNA. It's not in our blood. Society today does not promote waiting. It's all about now, 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 get it, get it, get it. So we have a hard time waiting. But we learn in Scripture that we learn some of life's greatest lessons, and God does some of his most incredible things when we learn to wait and when we learn to have and show patience. But it can be hard. Waiting can be a really hard classroom that you don't want to be sitting in, that you don't want to be a part of, but one that you will probably learn the most while you are in. God does incredible things when we wait, and he can pour out some incredible blessings. So we're going to get started. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, and it says this. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, we see James addressing patience right off the bat. Be patient. And he uses an example of farmers in their fields. Now, if you know much about gardening, how many people every year you do something with a garden? Maybe you, you plant tomatoes or something. We, we, we do that every year. We have lots of fun. We don't ever hardly get to pick the tomatoes because my three-year-old runs out there, and it doesn't matter what color they are, they end up in her mouth. Green red, she just goes and she picks them. But... We know that if you plant something, there's a process. You've got to plant it, 
You've got to prepare the soil, and then you've got to water it and wait. It doesn't just grow right away. Um, some of you brave souls may actually just start with the seeds and put the seeds in the dirt. I personally, I, I have patience, but I don't have that much patience. I go to Costco and buy the tomato plant that's like three quarters up, and I put that in the ground, and it's even the early girl tomato. So it's like promise to produce in 30 days. I'm like, and at this point, we're down to 20 days, right? Yeah. So I'll put those in, and I love going out to the garden and seeing the, the fruit that comes from, from the labor of, of waiting and, and just making sure everything has what it needs to grow. Now, my wife has told me that I, I do have a lot of patience. I'm able to put up with quite a bit. Um, but in this recent few years of my life, actually, it's, it's gone down a little bit. And that's because of child number two. <laughs> yeah. Those of you who have kids obviously laugh right now because you get it, right? You're, I know that my, my seven-year-old, Aurora, I'm, I, I, had, I have so much patience with her and the things she says. And I know that everyone that sees her here goes, she's the most, most perfect child, and she is so perfect on Sundays for you guys. But <laughs> when we go home, you know, like all kids, she has her issues, but I have a lot of patience with her. My three-nager, Avery, she drives me nuts sometimes. Just some things she does. And I'm, I'm at home, and Stephanie will tell me, it's like, why are you going so crazy over this? You never did this with Aurora. And I'll, I'll say, Aurora didn't do that. And Steph will be like, yes, she did. <laughs> it's the exact same process. You just have no patience with her. And I actually found out that statistically, parents lose patience with their second child. That's something that parents go through. And then I had to put this in perspective. I'm number seven of 15 kids at home. Man, what I put my parents through. Wow, they are saints for even being able to put up with me. Because um, as much as I like to say I was a perfect child, I, I know for the most part I was, but I had moments to test patience. There's actually a really, really good friend of mine here at Creekside who has no patience. One of, one of my uh, best friends, we hang out a lot. And every time we pray together, every single time, it, it started off as serious and now it's fun and I do it just to, to spite him in a way, I guess. I pray for patience for him. Because he knows he doesn't have it. And it becomes a joke. We're praying. I'm like, God, and please give him patience. And I will immediately hear the, the oh, come from him when I, ask, when I ask him for it. And then we'll be done praying, and we'll open our eyes, and he'll be scowling right at me. It's like, why did you do that? Now God's going to answer that prayer. And he's going to give me an opportunity to show patience, right? So <clears throat> his patience will probably be put to the test. But James addresses patience for a very specific reason. It's very important, I think, that we unpack why he addresses it and what patience really does for all of us in our life. You see, James is talking, and we've said this before in previous weeks, but James is talking about a time of persecution. Christians are being persecuted. Some of them are being martyred and hunted down for what they believe, and they are going through some pretty incredible suffering. And James is telling them to have patience and be steadfast and stand strong. He is addressing this because, man, they're addressing times where they may just want to quit. There may be some of them that say, this is so hard right now. This is so difficult that maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe I just need to throw in the towel and, and just, just back off. And James is saying, no, have patience, steadfast, wait for Jesus to come. And he tells them to stand strong. And I think for us, we all go through times where life gets hard. I, I think every one of us obviously could say, have you experienced a hard time in your life? You'd see hands go up. Maybe some of us would put two hands up and stand up and jump up. Like, yes, hard times. That's, that's me. But we have hard times. And sometimes maybe even where we want to quit, it could be a, a trial we're going through, a physical attack, a spiritual or an emotional attack, maybe a, a, a medical uh, thing that you're going through. 
but it hits us at a time, and sometimes it gets us just down to that point where we're thinking of calling it quits and just saying, I'm, I can't handle this anymore. But James is telling us, he's challenging us, be patient, stand strong, it's worth it. You see, I believe through Scripture, we see many things about patience and how it reveals things to us. Uh, many things, one of which is our attitude. Um, I, I found this, and I, I hope you enjoy it, but maybe you find yourself in the situation where patience has not tested someone else's attitude, but it really struck your attitude. So go ahead and check this out. Ja, met mij. Vertel. Ja. Similar to that, yeah, I think we, we may have all been in a situation where we wanted to take someone's throne and, and smash it, but ultimately patience reveals our attitude, our attitude, or lack of patience reveals our attitude. Now, back when I was younger, uh, and I mean, you know, we little, we little Dustin days, uh, my parents tell stories about me having zero patience. I would not wait for things, I would throw fits and complain. When we went out to eat, we'd order our food, and I was that person that would say, you know, where's our food? When's they going to get here? And they'd be like, Dustin, our waitress literally just turned the corner taking our orders. I was like, I know, but why is it not ready? <laughs> That's, I would complain about having to wait. And I complained so often that they actually sang a song. They didn't create the song, but they would sing a song to me all the time. Some of you may know it. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too, and think of all the times when someone had to wait for you. It was a very commonly sung song in my household, to me specifically. But I found this tested with my attitude even just last night. So last night, uh, we, I was with some friends, and we got to go celebrate some friends' anniversary, and we got to do uh, a renewal of their wedding vows on the beach, and it was just a fun, fun night. And there's six of us together having a great time. And we had reservations for a restaurant in San Francisco. So we get there, and we get there early. And when we get there, we check in, and they tell us, okay, you know, we're busy. We'll be able to sit you closer to reservation time. And we're like, yep, no problem. We're here early. It's all good. So we go and we sit down, and we're watching YouTube videos, and there's a baseball game on the screen, a really intense one with Milwaukee last night, which was really fun to watch. But we're watching the game, and we realize a lot of time has gone by at this point. We're like, man, what time is it? And now we're 15, getting close to 20 minutes past our reservation time. We're like, okay, it's been a while. Should one of us go say something? And we had that, you know, minute debate or so of, do we, do we not? So someone in our party got up, went over, and, and talked to the, the hostess table. And, you know, we, we see him leaning over, very intently leaning in, talking to him about, you know, like, why is it taking so long? Comes back over, 
And he says, so uh, they just told me that they don't take reservations. And they just sit people on an as-needed basis. And if you called in, if people got here before you, they'll just sit them instead. And we were like, that makes no sense. We have the email confirmation. We've had a reservation here before. Like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. So we're, we're now, now we're getting flustered and frustrated. Like, it's, this has been a long time. But this, is, this isn't right. And so then we find the email confirmation. Like, there it is. 7.30, party of six. We, we should be good to go. So we stand up and we look over and we see like six people at the hostess table now. Like all of them, like, we're like, they're talking about us. You know, they're, they're all trying to figure out what do we do. So one of them comes over. This is the same one that told us that they don't take reservations. Said that he has our table ready for us. So like, all right, awesome. And we're still on edge. Just kind of like, this was ridiculous. They would do that to us. And of course, you know, because we're so high and mighty. But, <laughs> but we get to our table and it's not even a table for six. We're like, wait. This isn't even our table. There's not enough for us here. And the guy's just kind of like, well, this is what we have. And I see another table off to the side, and I say, there's eight spots there, and it's all set up. Can we sit there? And he goes, no, that's reserved for another party. <laughs> what? So then now we're, now we're mad. <laughs> and we're like, this makes no sense. And the, the manager came over, and I even said, I feel like you guys don't care. Like, what? We were here, we had a reservation, now there's not even enough here. And they said, we'll, make, we'll, we'll get you another chair, and they did. And we sat down, and of course, our first reaction is, great, there goes your guys' tip. Like, this is just ridiculous. And, you know, we're over 30 minutes past the time we should have been seated now, so our attitude is just through the roof. And then our server came, and the server was excellent. Excellent server, excellent food. We had a fun time at the table. And we're, at this point now, we're joking about what had just happened, but at the same time, there's still the, the truth to, yeah, this, this was a bummer that this happened. We, we feel treated wrong. And then someone at the table has the audacity to look at me and say, hey, aren't you speaking on patience tomorrow? <laughs> yep. Yep. Conviction in the moment. And I know God was just going, ha, right there. And so I felt convicted in the moment, and then I got home that night, and then this morning I was like, well, now I have to talk about that because God, I know <laughs> that God is convicting me on patience because it totally revealed my crummy attitude in the moment. Patience can reveal our attitude. Proverbs 15, 18 says this, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. When we boil right down to it, our attitude, whether it's a good one or bad one, is revealed when we don't get what we want in the moment and we're told to wait for something. A popular speaker, Joyce Meyer, said, patience is the ability to keep a good attitude while you are waiting. Something I did not have last night while we were waiting. The truth is, we realize that when our attitude starts to go down the drain, it's often because we've lost patience with someone or something, and it's inconvenienced us. And it starts to change the way we are thinking. But that's not the good thing. That's not the attitude we want to have. But that's how it can affect us in a negative way. And if we have patience, it can totally calm the situation. And I know part of us, one of the things we had said was, at that point, we just wanted an apology. We're like, if we're in the restaurant, if they would have just said, hey, we're sorry we messed up, we'd have been like, all right, still upsetting, but okay. But then I had to realize, you know what? Even though they didn't apologize, my attitude was not right. It really wasn't. I need to put myself in check, not based on what they're doing, based on me, based on what God's doing in me. I need to work on that. It revealed some of my attitude. Patience also reveals our heart. Ephesians 4.2 says this, be completely humble and gentle. 
Be patient, bearing one another in love. What's great about patience is that it's one of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about. And I've talked before how James and Paul really pull a lot of these uh, themes through together, one of them being the heart and how patience comes from the heart. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians talks about all these things, like we've said before, that come into your heart, that love, joy, peace, patience, these things that come out when you're letting Christ work and Christ move. Patience being on that list for a very specific reason. It's revealing up to what's in your heart. Are you pouring it out of your heart? Are you letting God do work in your heart? And I think that when we wait on God, we are ultimately showing that we are trusting him and his desires of the heart and not just our desires of the heart instead. He says to wait on the Lord's coming in this verse. He says, be patient and wait on the Lord's coming. Now we can apply this today. Now James is very literally talking about Jesus had just died, he'd rose again, and they're living life now knowing Jesus is in heaven and he's left them, but he's going to return. So he's very literally saying, wait on the Lord's return, something that we're still waiting and anticipating on today. But I think we can apply this even into our lives now because we don't know when God's going to come into your situation in the way that we think. But I do know that when we read through scripture, we show that, or it shows that God's timing is always perfect and our ability to wait on him shows that we are waiting on him to take control of things. Or maybe we're waiting on us to recognize that he has control of these things. We have to let him into our situation and know that he will solve on his time, not on our time. It's his heart's desire, not our heart's desire that is the priority. Patience also reveals our maturity. Now, those of us with kids, or even without kids, you've probably experienced this, you go to the store or you see a family with the kids at the store and they say, mom, dad, can I have this? No, not now. And the temper goes nuts. I mean, I've, I've seen the, the kids that they fall on the ground and it's just the full on screaming. And some of you have seen that, right? But that's, you know, not getting what you want in the moment. Right now, self-satisfying patience because patience reveals your overall maturity. When someone loses patience, suddenly words fly out of your mouth that you know you probably shouldn't say. Or you get filled with some pretty serious anger. Well, I think this is really a testament to how we're letting God work and mature inside of us. With the fruits of the Spirit, the evidence that God is working in our hearts, the patience, the ability to wait on others. But not just others, the ability to wait on God for his timing. And that's a really, really tough one to do. But I think it directly relates to our maturity and growing with Jesus. Those three things are very important, but I think they really emphasize three major themes in this passage and in this chapter of James. The first is very straightforward. He just says right out of the gate in verse five, or verse seven, be patient. The bummer is when you're not having patience and someone looks at you and says, have patience, it does not invoke patience in your life in that moment, right? Someone says, hey, you need to have patience. It just makes you want it more now. It makes you mad at them for calling you out for something. It's, it's not a feel good line, especially when you need it, or especially when you're really struggling with something and you know you're like, God, I need you right here, right now, and God is waiting for something else. We may not understand that, but we have to understand that he's making us wait for a reason. He has the plan, but being told to wait doesn't necessarily make you feel good. I mean, we, again, we don't have to wait. The youth today will never, ever have to wait for dial-up internet, right? We remember those days. I'm going to go online. Nobody pick up the phone. Because if you do, i got to start the whole thing over again. You dial it. 
you'll let it go. You know, you can go do something for a while while it's connecting. And then finally, you're like, okay, I'm online. So then you go, you type in your website, go do a load of laundry now because, you know, it's going to take a while for that to load. All the while to find out while you went to go do the laundry, someone picked up the phone. <laughs> you start all over again. Youth don't have to wait for that. That's, that's amazing. Now where you can just get whatever you want, whenever you want from your phone. That's, that's amazing when you think about how far we've come in just a short time to not have to wait. You can just go outside, open your phone, any website, anything, Amazon will get it too. They're doing same-day shipping now, which is crazy because we need things now. And then we get upset when things don't go our way. Only if something isn't happening as fast as we want it to. And then sometimes we decide to step in and make something happen in not a good way. We can step in and mess things up because of our anger or our attitude or our lack of patience. Ultimately, James is talking about that we know we have to wait on God's timing. We have to wait on God for something so we're, and then we are really able to discover what is God's will for this situation? What is God's will for my life? How is God going to work in me through this situation? Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. And God's timing is always better. Can we say that all together? God's timing is always better. You will never in your life have that contradictory moment where you know better than God. It will not happen. No matter how much you read the Bible, no matter how much you pray and think, God, I've known it, I've got it, it's going to happen now. God knows. His timing is always better. And we can trust that Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for the good of God. But as we eagerly anticipate God, we've got to keep our eyes on him, listen to him, and know that we need to do this his way, not our way. Our relationship with him grows deeper the more we practice waiting on him, the more we train ourselves to trust in him and in his timing. Now, I think of raising my daughters, and something I do with Aurora and Avery is during the school year on Saturdays, we have chocolate milk and donuts for breakfast. It's a fun thing that we do with them on Saturdays. Aurora knows it. It's Saturday morning. Let's have chocolate milk and donuts. And it's weird that she likes the hostess taste like wax chocolate donuts, but those are her go-to donuts. She loves those things. I know there's uh, Mike Kirker here at Creekside. Whenever my daughter sees him, she automatically goes up, do you have donuts? She loves donuts. But she loves those hostess donuts. And on Saturday morning, we'll have chocolate milk and donuts together. She's old enough to get them on her own now. She can get on the stool, get the donuts down, get the milk out of the fridge, pour the cup for her and even her little sister, and they can have chocolate milk and donuts. But she knows she's not allowed to do it every day of the week. She also knows that she has to ask me, even on Saturdays, she's got to ask, can we do this? And I get to go be a part of doing this with her. Having said that, she knows what happens if she doesn't listen. She knows that the donuts and chocolate milk are gone, sometimes for more than one week at that point. It's like, oh no, now we're not doing it because you didn't follow the rules, you didn't listen. And what she doesn't understand at this point, because she's younger, she doesn't totally understand what I know about. If I give her chocolate milk and donuts every day, all the time, it's not good for her. It's, it's not, I mean, it's not good once a week, honestly, but it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I would love to eat chocolate milk and donuts every day. Don't get me wrong. Chocolate, great. Donuts, great. Milk, great. Breakfast, it's good stuff. But she doesn't understand all that goes behind it. And I understand that I can't give her junk food all the time. It's not going to be good for her physically. It's not going to be good for her emotionally. It's not going to be good for her spiritually in the long run. She doesn't get those things, but I do. 
We've got to trust God with that same relationship, knowing that we may not get what we want right now. We may be told, you have to wait. We need to have patience on this. But we need it now. We want it now. We want to be delivered from whatever it is right now. But all this time, God is saying, there's something I'm doing that is good for you. You may not see that if I give this and I solve this right now, it will hurt you now. But this will be good if you wait. We have to trust that his timing is perfect. And it's not easy. It's not fun. But his plan, his purpose is something we may not understand. But we can understand that it's always better. The second is that patience in God also relies on him for strength. Now, God invites us, I love this, in Scripture, to claim his promise for strength when we know we can't do it on our own. Isaiah chapter 40, 29 to 31 says this. Though the youth grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Prayed this prayer before working out, and I never get that energy he's quite talking about right there. But, but I know that just as God deepens our relationship through him through times of waiting, it grows our resilience and our trust and our strength in him when we wait on him. And I love that it promises. He says, you know what? If you wait on me, I will give you strength. I will renew you. I will build you up and lift you up. You'll be able to get through this and not get tired if you trust me. <clears throat> now, of course, the hard part of trusting with that is not knowing when it's going to happen. Something I like, my daughter Aurora likes to do, when we're going to go on a trip or do something fun, she'll circle the day on her calendar and she'll start Xing out days as we get closer. And she loves the countdown. She knows that on this day we're going to go do something as a family, whatever it is. She loves it. And then we get to that day, and she knows, we're going to go do this. It's fun. Imagine if God did that for us. He said, hey, I know you're suffering, but on this day, it's going to end. Right now, this day, this time. Man, I know we would have such an awesome, like, yes, three more days, two more days, one day. It's over. You're ready. I mean, you're ready to move on. But unfortunately, God doesn't do that. We don't know when exactly he'll step in according to his time, but we have to trust that it's for his purpose and that something's happening in us through it. The challenge is having that same attitude even though you don't know the day it's going to happen. That's the challenge, knowing that, you know what, God? I don't know when you're going to pull me out of this. I don't know when the struggle will end. I don't know when this will come to fruition, but I know you care for me, and I know you're going to take care of me, and I'm going to expect, I'm going to come to you expectantly, knowing you know what's best and trust in you, not knowing the date. That's a hard thing to do, but such a beneficial thing because it really allows us to grow in our trust and strength on him. It's a promise that he will provide and give you strength and energy to wait. Along with being patient, uh, James talks about being persistent. He says to stand firm. Now, like I said, the hardest part is not knowing the timing, but knowing that you have to stand firm even when you don't want to, even when it gets hard. And we, we think often, we're going through things. You know what, God, I can't do this on my own. And, and I, I do agree. That's true. We can't. But that's why he's there. That's why he's there with us, because he wants to help us go through these things. And, but sometimes we may think, if I'm giving something to God, that means I will do nothing about it. We think, all right, God, I want you to take care of this, so I'm going to step back and just see what you do. And, and I think often we, we kind of fall into to that trap of forgetting that there's a responsibility we have as well when we follow Christ. There's a, um, a story that I don't remember if I heard it um, at, at a church service or read it online, but a story about a guy who's praying for the winning lottery ticket. He's like, God, I just want the winning lottery ticket. It would help me out so much. And he goes on praying, doesn't win. Goes on praying, doesn't win. Years go by, and he's like, God, I've been praying for years. 
I, want, I, I need to win the lottery. And God finally says, man, I've been doing my part. Will you buy a ticket? <laughs> it's important to give things to God, but it's also important to remember there's things we can do that are not immoral, that are not against Scripture, that are still of God when we're expecting him to help us out and be a part of our trials. James uses the example of farmers waiting on the rain. And I love this because the farmers back then did not have the irrigation systems we have. They were not able to, you know, hook up their sprinkler lines, turn this on, all right, we're good. Uh, if you want to do something special, I'm going to build a special greenhouse-style thing to grow this. I mean, we can grow almost anything we want if you have the right materials. Now, any season, they didn't have that. They were totally reliant on the seasonal rain to prepare and help with what they were doing. But that doesn't mean that for all those months out of the year that it wasn't raining, they were doing nothing. They had to till the ground. They had to make sure it was ready so when the rain came, it would, it would help produce what they were already doing in the ground. They were reliant on it, but they knew they had a part to play. All too often, we can miss the fact that, that we do have a part to play. Our life doesn't consist of us just laying down and God saying, let me do all of this for you. But us living out our walk with Christ, us going through those struggles, us being focused on him and staying connected with him while he works in us. When we're going through those trials, it is important that I think we ask God for help. We need to remember that doesn't mean stop. It doesn't mean stop going to, you, to your Bible study and connecting with people that can pray for you. It doesn't mean, oh, my life is too hard, I'm going to stop going to church. It doesn't mean life is so hard, I'm just going to take some time off from this, this Bible thing. No, it means press into it. It means don't forget your part in trusting God and, being, and pursuing him with your life and then watching how he grows you through those moments. Another example we have of this is uh, Nehemiah. In the, now, in the book of Nehemiah, it, it's a very, very awesome book. I encourage you to go through and read. Nehemiah, is, Jerusalem has been destroyed. The walls are torn down. Nehemiah is a slave to a king of a foreign land. Nowhere in Jerusalem. And when he hears that the walls are still destroyed, God puts it on his heart to go build the wall. But the problem is, he's not in Jerusalem. He's under slave to another king. He really has no way to go do this. He can't just leave. So he prays. Then he takes action. He goes and he meets with the king, and he tells the king, look, my hometown is devastated. Years ago this happened, and, and the people that are going back there now are saying that it's totally destroyed, and my heart's just broken. Can I go fix the wall? The king could have said, no. <laughs> you work for me. Get back, get back in line. Get over there. But the king gives him money, gives him resources, gives him what's he, what he needs to go rebuild the wall. But I love that Nehemiah didn't just say, God, help me build the wall, and then wait for something to happen. He then approached the king. He said, let's go. I, God, help me do this. And God gave him an answer. Then he gets there, and he starts rebuilding. And it, his, his action steps don't stop. I love it. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 7, says this. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. So the enemy is very angry that Nehemiah is having success building the walls. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. I love this. They posted a guard and they prayed. They didn't just say, all right, God, keep us safe. We're just going to keep focusing on the wall. That's what I want. No, they took an action step. 
They said, God, we're going to trust that you're going to carry us through here. And they did something in line with what God was doing in their hearts. They didn't just sit back and do nothing. They took action and they trusted God. I love this. Trusting God doesn't mean do nothing. It means be diligent. It means rely on him, follow him, pursue him. And, he, and God honors the fact that they were putting him first in this situation. <clears throat> Isaiah 64, 4, he speaks of the God who acts on behalf of those who wait on him. What an awesome promise. The God that acts on behalf. As we're waiting, we can understand that we have the greatest mediator. We have the one who loves you most working actively on your behalf. He's not the God that sits back and watches you suffer with his popcorn bucket and says, I hope you pull yourself out of this one, man. That is, that is rough what you just did. No, he's working actively on your behalf. Even though you may not see it, he's there. Even when things seem to go wrong, he's making sure that everything is working out for his purpose and for his timing and his plan. And it all works better together when we're following that, trusting in him as we wait and have patience with his plan for us. It can be difficult, one of the most difficult things in our lives. But understand, having patience and waiting on God is not wasting time. There's so much that happens in our hearts when we wait on God. So much that happens in our lives as we decide, you know what, God, I trust you. That's when we really see him start to mold. We really see him start to grow and stretch and deepen our walk with him. <clears throat> Think of waiting on something like planting that garden. You put a seed under the water, or the soil, and you water it, and then you wait, and you wait, and you wait. You still do your part. You're still watering it. But a lot of it's out of your control at that point. Is that seed going to be a good one or a bad one? You're just waiting. And then finally, it starts to grow. <clears throat> we need to understand, guys, God is working. He is always working. He's not sitting there watching you suffer, laughing, watching you pull yourself out. He is working with you and trusting. In, and we need to trust in him that he will pull us through. Pers being persistently steadfast is a key to patience while waiting. Also, we see in the end of this passage that we need to be praisers in this time. He says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Patience is a virtue. We've all heard the line, right? Patience is a virtue. Again, it's a line that's said that's when it's said does not strike up patience or peace or joy in your heart. Because someone's usually saying it because you're acting out, right? Because you're not being patient. <clears throat> if we really grasp on, though, to what God is doing and we grasp on to patience being a fruit of the Spirit that resonates in your soul, resonates in your heart, it can be a very positive thing when we think about how discouraged we may be, how encouraged we could get knowing God is working. David says this in Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, <clears throat> starting in verse 1. He says, I have waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, nothing can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. I love the fact that God's promise is to pull us out of these moments. But David even says it there. When I wait on you, you pull me out of these moments. The wait but the expectation is a big part of it. We have to understand praising our creator 
<clears throat> is so special to us. We, are, we have the joy of being the created who get to praise the creator. We are the delivered, and we get to praise the deliverer. We are the redeemed, and we get to praise the one and only redeemer. I'm so grateful that God gives us the ability to praise him. And when we feel like we're at the end of our rope, when we feel like, you know what, I, this, this trial, whether it's physical or financial or family-oriented or spiritual, whatever trial we're going through, when you feel like we're at the end of that rope, we can cry out, we can say, God, you are my only hope. It is you that is going to pull me through this, and I will trust in you and believe in you and expect that I will become stronger because of what you're doing in me through this when I do it your way. I'm going to ask uh, Jake to come back up. We're going to end our time together singing that song again, uh, Jesus Christ, My Living Hope. I love the declaration that song comes. When the, the words are just more than words to me. When we're declaring, at, at this time, you know, death was defeated, I'm redeemed. Jesus, you are my living hope hope. We need to be careful not to rush God's timing. His timing is always better than ours. We need to understand he's got the whole picture in sight. We can only look this way. God looks this way. He sees everything about it. Think of a time, maybe you are right now in a waiting room for something. A time in your life where you, you, you're waiting for God to fix this. You're waiting for God to step in and you're just, you're, you don't know when. My, I encourage you guys, wait expectingly. Focus on God. Keep your eyes set on him. Know that he's got your back and he will pull you through when we trust in him. Would you all stand with me? Abraham waited decades to have his son in scripture when God told him it was gonna happen. <clears throat> Joseph went through years and years of being in prison for doing nothing wrong before God finally fulfilled his promise and took care of him and he became second in charge of Egypt. Guys, I know God has things for us that we don't see, but he has a perfect God-timed plan for each and every one of us. <clears throat> it's important that we remember when we trust in God, be patient, be steadfast, be persistent, and be praisers. Remember that when we're waiting on God, don't count the days. Make the days count. Make the days count in your walk with him. Trust that he has got you. Pray with me. Father, we come uh, before the great redeemer, the great deliverer, God, trusting that in times of trial, you know what's best, God. And I pray for anybody here that may be going through something where we're like, God, you know what? I'm waiting on this and I need you for here. God, we trust that you are here. We trust that you see the whole picture. We trust that you love us, God. And because you love us so much, we get to love you. And we get to praise you. And we get to have joy that you have your hand in everything. I pray that as we wait, as we learn to trust, you grow us. You mold us to be followers of you that really rely on what you have more than what we have. That we focus on your heart, not our heart, God. And I'm encouraged and I love the joy that comes from knowing you love us so much that you are there for us each and every step of the way. We thank you, God, for today, and we thank you that you are our only hope. And all of God's children said, amen.